right, you may be seated. Thank you. Yeah, this is called comparisonitis. <laughs> and that's something we have to share with other ministers that, uh, listen, why compare yourself with me when you live in a rural area that only has a particular demographic? See, uh, well, I, have to, I have to be sensitive to that because, you know, there, there are white churches, there are black churches, there are, uh, well, thank God we are all that. You know what I'm saying? We, we have every, every uh, nation, tribe, age. But, um, you know, some demographics would cause your church to maybe be one dominant, you know, uh, race. So that's not down that at all. I don't down that at all. However, I thank God that we're multicultural. And um, I know that's the vision uh, of some ministries, and, you know, it takes wisdom to do that. Um, but I'm going to compare myself with Bishop Hash, Bishop Hash and try to be like him. Uh, how do you like me act like Bishop T.D. Jakes? <laughs> that, whatever he has in there for him, I don't have that. You know, uh, I, I was so so uh, honored and blessed to receive from my son Wednesday night. Did a wonderful job. But you know what? I've always said to him, you be you. And if you're wondering, I mean, he's, he's very smart. And, and um, you know, he, he's coming from a different angle. That, that'll be a tremendous blessing. And all those who come up in this pulpit, I don't want to name my son, but all the different ministry gifts that we have ministering in our pulpit come from a different angle, so you just be you. All right. I've got to finish up a few thoughts this morning on following God's principle of tithing, where then I'm going to briefly share that, and then I'm going to talk about baptism as we go right into our water baptism service. Following whose principle? God's principle of tithing in the Word. And I've just simply been sharing scriptures and and studying after uh, my leaders and proving it, not just studying after my leaders, but applying it to my life way back 33 years ago or so, or 34 years ago when I first went to Rama Bible College. As soon as I heard uh, the full picture of it, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to start tithing. I'm never going to back off it. And God has always met our needs, and we've always done that as a ministry. We put God first, right? Seek ye first, um, give the first fruit of all your increase, and your barns will be filled with plenty. And, and, but also, I've got to talk to you about good stewardship. Because a lot of times, your money issues aren't God not meeting your needs. It's you not managing them properly, because God, <laughs> He is so powerful, He's never been defeated. Okay, that's my job to, uh, you know, minister the overall picture. But the Word of God has more to say about finances than it does about heaven and hell. Do you think God wants His kids to have their needs met? He certainly does. Our Father does. And uh, the principle of the tithe, Jesus uh, endorsed it, or he believed in it. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said, Woe upon you Pharisees and other religious leaders, hypocrites. 
You tithe down to the last mint leaf in your garden, but you ignore the important things like justice, like mercy, like faith. In other words, uh, living wrong and giving right uh, won't bless you because you get out of um, the, the realm where God wants you to walk. There's no condemnation here. I just know this, that um, I've practiced in my life over the years to be quick to forgive someone else, to be quick to repent if I've stepped out of love walk. Normally, as you grow in God and you mature, mainly your two challenges are always going to be people. And, and your love walk toward people and your faith life when you have to deal with things Seems like maybe you're in a dark season. Dad Hagen told us about a story that this, um, this little boy uh, from school had to walk home. Uh, in order to get home, he had to go through the um, burial site. What is the... Um, thank you. Cemetery. Thank you. And... and <laughs> How would you like to walk through the cemetery when it's pretty dark, like dark? Huh? Used to play in the cemetery? Everybody stretch your hands toward my wife right now in the name. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> you did what? You were in the country? Okay, then. It's not country, it's country. All right, so where are we at? We're in the cemetery. I got to get you out of there. So anyway, how would you like to go home? Go home, and it's pitch black in a cemetery, and you've got to walk right through it. Well, you know, this, 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 you know, this um, child walks through there, and the only relief of that darkness was to sing in the dark. Was the, listen, was the sing in the dark. See, you know, when, when what seems to be all darkness around you, I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to charge you and challenge you, begin to sing in that darkness. Sing of the Word of God. Sing of His grace, of His mercy. Because God, He's never defeated. He's all power. He's on the inside of us. He's going to help us get through that darkness yeah, thank God we can sing in the darkness. So Jesus said, um, well, I was talking about living right and also tithing is essential. Uh, you should tithe, he said, but you shouldn't leave the more important things undone. I'm not impressed when somebody gives and, and they want recognition because they gave a you know, significant seed, but they're not living right. You know, that's one thing I don't do. I don't go and check everybody's tithe, everybody's giving, because I want to have no respect of persons. That, you know, if, if I have no respect of persons, I can say everything God wants me to say and not fear you. And you, you've heard me say this over and over, but uh, like Bishop Hass said, if you fear the people you lead, you forfeit the right to lead them. So, 
thank God we do tithe with right motives. Justice, mercy, faith, helping others, meeting the needs of your church. Tithing and giving is the spiritual practice of honoring God by giving the first tenth of our income to our church. That's where, that's where we have meat to feed on in the house of God, right? Like I said, in your local church, you, you thank God we're a word church, but we sow, we sow our seed and our tithe to where we feed, Right? Thank God for guest ministers. We can, we can uh, give them offerings, but the tithe, it belongs to the house of God. Are you glad that this building is here? Are you glad you have facilities? Are you glad you had about 15 kids get saved? Are you glad up front here that over seven people got filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you glad about these things? Are you glad that you gather together as authentic ladies? Come on, ladies. Are you glad that the men can get together? You better come on, man. That's good. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and, and all the... Are you glad this church is paid off? That seat you're sitting on, Gordon, is paid in full. And, and, and guess what? We're getting ready to take this ministry up to another level of excellence in facility. And it's going to be a nice change for this hour. And it's leading towards something I'll share in time to come. But Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency from the righteous labors and with the... Uh, God deserves our first, our highest, and our best. And an important uh, part of experiencing financial provision God's way certainly is to be a tither and a giver. God set the example... God loved the world that he did what? God so loved the world that he gave. And his son redeemed mankind as a result. He received more sons and daughters in return. The word of God teaches us that giving comes before. <laughs> okay, sowing comes before. Now, the Bible in the book of Genesis has the principle of seed, time and harvest. Genesis, I'll talk about that in a minute. But each seed produces after its own kind. I, um, I'm conflicted with some people that name their seed, name their finances something, and then they plant it. But when you plant money, it's going to re it's going to be multiplied in the harvest of money. So I, I go tilt when somebody said, if you'll just sow this big seed, you name it. And wait a minute, if you want an apple, you've got to plant orange seeds. If you want apples, just, just plant money. See what I'm saying? Every seed produces after its own kind. And guess what? God's seed. The incorruptible seed, the word of the living God, he implanted in us when we heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and that seed multiplied into the whole new creation, placed a whole new nature on the inside of us. We're able 
day by day, year by year, to, to be more like Jesus, which should be all of our goals in life. Genesis 8.22 says, as long as the earth remains, stamp your feet. Is stamp or stomp? It depends on what, what um, parts of the country you are in. So stamp, stomp. What's under there? Earth. So can you say, I rebuke the principle of sowing and reaping? No. God said, as long as there's an earth, there's going to be sowing and reaping, seed, time, and harvest. And I reemphasize every seed reproduces after its own kind. That's why when, when, when we receive the engrafted word and seed in our heart, God brought us into the child of, uh, into his family as a child of God. He reproduced us. In his likeness and in his image, like in Genesis chapter 1. Thank God we can be, I didn't say I was Jesus. I didn't say I was the son of God, but I am a son of God. I am a child of God. And John, I think chapter 17 says, God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And as we get to know that love, I'm, I'm just seeing this more and more in my life. The things I've had to face and challenging, I, you know, when you truly meditate on how much God loves us, perfect love casts out that fear. He's going to help you. He's got a promise for your situation, and He brings the past your uh, the word you're believing. So as long as the earth remains, there'll be planting, harvest, cold, heat, summer, winter. Day and night. Another scripture we've been rehearsing just to get in our spirit more and more. Before I mention that, uh, this um, Randy Alcorn said, God prospers me not only to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. You know, I'm tithing now what I used to make when I was first starting to work. You do too. Well... And, um, and then, then God prospers you year after year, little by little, and it enables me the more that God brings into my life as I believe him, as I work. Do you know you have to work to get seed to sow? Say this with me. I love to work. I am not trying to take side... I, it irritates me when a healthy person, no matter what race, no matter what age, decides that they will lie to the government so the government can support them. Our government, we pray for them, but government is not our God. God is our God. He's our provider. He's our Jehovah Jireh. He's the one that meets my needs when it doesn't appear anybody's there to help me. So we talked about, you know, the tie that it, it is for today. And we, oh, I didn't read the scripture. Uh, Malachi 3.10 says, 
Bring all the tithes, the whole tenth of your income into the storehouse or your church, that there may be food or provisions in my house. Prove me now by it, says the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. That's so we can give to others. And I will rebuke the devourer, insects and plagues for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine drop its fruit before the time in the field. With long continuance, God wants you to enjoy the works of your hands. Long continuance. But it does take work. It does take following God's principles. It does take us thinking straight on this. So where should we tithe? We sow seeds where we feed. Our storehouse. Now, there are exceptions. I'll tell you why. Because some people are in certain areas that don't have word churches. And I can't, you know... I, and they're just not getting fed. What do you do about that? Well, that's where the online church is good. But I still recommend you find a good local church that does preach the word. But what if you can't? Then I think there's an opportunity to uh, connect with a church like ours. Um, and where, where does the online church also um, kick in? We travel sometimes, don't we? Well, we can watch our services as we travel because we have all that set up. And also, uh, the sick and shut in. You know, it's just there are certain situations that people can't come to church physically. Is God going to leave them out? No, he's a good God. So, anyway, but... I like what Andrew Womack said. He said, the local church is the backbone of God's work here on the earth. There are ways that a local church can feed you that no other ministry can. You can't call me in the middle of the night or have me perform your child's wedding or help counsel them. You need the fellowship of other believers. I can't offer that to you, but the local church can. You can be more or less involved in this church. You can have all the connection you want and all the community you want, but you got to also take advantage of what we have. I'm going to give you a, a straight-up ask now and get behind uh, Latina. We are going to have an opportunity. Our church is going to sponsor financial peace. It's $130 a piece, but this church is going to pay for all of your financial peace, and we're going to have it on a Wednesday night. You know what else we're going to do? We're going to let you bring your family members or your relatives or your friend. You bring them in, and we'll pay for theirs also. I encourage you, if you have children or youth or young adults, whatever, get them in this teaching. It will forever change their life. Now, here's the ask. How many are excited about financial peace? All right. How many have gone through financial peace? Did it change your life? 
Oh, I just set you up. Those of you who have been through financial peace, I want to ask you to consider helping Latina watch our kids on Wednesday nights. I'm going to ask you so that we can start this as soon as we get the amount needed back there to help Latina. All right? So I just put that ask out there for you. And because it's absolutely wonderful principles of helping you be a good steward. You know, Dad Hagen always taught us, you know, it's really good to be a pastor before you're an itinerant, itinerant ministry. Because you know what it feels like when someone comes in and takes an offering. Doesn't receive it. You know when it comes in that this, the, the um, guest speaker was such that they, well, and again, rem, remind you, this is not going to happen in our church. It's tried to happen a few times, and I, I dealt with it. They're not, they'll never come back here again. Because they talked people into sowing their largest seed into their ministry and uh, at the expense of local church. And I've had it said before, praise God, I just sowed the biggest seed in my life to this particular ministry. And on the inside of me, I didn't say it. I said, well, why don't you tithe? I mean, that's, you know, that doesn't work when you just give out to other ministries. I'm not saying you can't as you tithe and you give and work the protocol and, uh, of God's ways. But let's do this right so we can be blessed. Amen. But um, so it's wrong to get fed in one place and give tithes and offerings to another place. Make sense? Absolutely. I, I, for, first thing my wife and I do every week, it's in our budget. We tithe. We believe in Harvest Church. We believe in uh, winning the 1040 window, most unreached people group in the world, and all the things that we do here. Um, When you tithe and you give, I have this different translation of the Philippians or uh, Philippians 4:19. It's called the RIV from Rick Renner. And he says it's translated to this. As we tithe and we give and we, you know, we do our best to keep our conscience clean and we're we're living uh, you know, we're comfortable in our own skin doing what we're supposed to do. It says, but my God shall supply your needs so completely that he will eliminate all of your deficiencies and will meet all your physical and tangible needs until you are so full, you have no more capacity to hold anything else. And he will supply all your needs until you are totally filled, packed full, overflowing to the point of bursting at the seams and spilling over. And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I, I'm, that's, that, that, that hit me pretty hard, so we're probably going to say that many times. I um, thank God that our tithe and our giving also helps us outmaneuver the enemy because he's a liar and the father of all lies. And, uh, you know, again, I, I, I get it. There's got to be a time that you get your budget and your stewardship together 
Because that's going to be able to free you to put God first in your finances. He deserves our highest, our best. And, you know, he only says 10% in offerings. I'd rather have my 80 or 90% blessed by God than have 100% of my income and have him get three jobs. I have to have God involved in my finances in this ministry. I mean, what God did in this ministry over the years to provide for us, it's supernatural because we simply worked his principles. John Wesley said, you know what? When we tithe and we give, I judge all things by the price they will gain in eternity. You're going to get to heaven and masses of people are going to come up to you and say, thank you. You're a part of the Harvest Church, aren't you? Your ministry sowed in here. Your ministry sowed in here. And, and if, you know, if we never see some of the kids that were saved, they're going to come up to you and say, that. you remember that announcement? Robert Letternina. That is absolutely wrong, but I should have just said it confidently. You'd think it was right. But it's not about how much money that I should give to God, but how much money, how much of God's money should I keep for myself? Now listen to this. This this gets a little bit um, that much clearer. How many know who John Rockefeller is? Philanthropist, very very um, successful business person. He said, "You know what I." If I had not tithed my first dollar, I would not have tithed my first million dollars. Somebody's mentality just went, or, (laughs) how about Colonel Sanders? I don't want to talk about that. I love that chicken. But um, he said, there's no reason to be the richest man or woman in the cemetery. You can't do any business from there. He ended up giving $2 million to the Assemblies of God missions program before he died. I like the rest of the story, don't you? Chick-fil-A is Christian-owned. Boy, they got, they got it going, don't they? So thank God the tithe we saw in the Old Testament in Leviticus 27:30, all tithe of the land of the seed of the land is the Lord's. Tithing under the Old Testament law was simply tithing because it was regulated and, and God commanded it under the law. Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, who was a type of Christ, and Abraham received the blessing, which was threefold, spiritual, physical, and material, or financial. And guess when he tithed? 430 years before the law. This is not a law issue. It's a faith issue. Abraham had just won a great battle And he was so thankful to God that gave him the victory. He was facing insurmountable odds. This battle was impossible for him to win, but God gave him the victory. And he freely tithed. 
because he was so thankful that God was his source. Genesis 15, 1 says, The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, and I am your abundant compensation. I'm on a good compensation plan. And your reward shall be exceeding. Thank God for the word. We see a few more examples here. I'm just going to conclude this part of our service. Sheldon Child says, as we faithfully pay our tithe, the Lord will indeed open the windows of heaven, pour out us such a blessing that there shall be not room enough to receive it. I want each of you to know, and especially my children and my grandchildren, that I know what I know as a grandfather. Are you imparting these principles as parents? I mean, Dave Ramsey and all the stuff we're going to go through with different personalities, you will not be bored. And finally, Rick Brenner said, when a person gives God 10% of his income, he thereby tells himself, God and all those around him that I'm not self-sufficient. I can't take care of myself like I need to adjust my own resources, my own skills, my own knowledge, my experience, my strength. But tithing to God shows that this person recognizes that God is the ultimate authority and source of our strength, our knowledge, our income, our security, and everything he has. Can I get an amen on that? All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and and, and shift to uh, our time of baptism. And um, it's so wonderful that we have our beautiful, um, what is it, sauna? Uh, No, it's not a sauna. I'm just kidding. Um, but anyway, it's beautiful, it's great, and uh, we're looking forward to um, this part of the service. There it goes. God is good all the time. Will you please open up there? Oh. <laughs> hey. Oh, that's how it works. Oh, good. You just never know what's going to happen in Harvest Church. (laughs) You just never know when I'm going to embarrass myself. I don't care. I'm good. You you know what? If you don't laugh at yourself, (laughs) you'll be crying. But we're going to talk about just the meaning real quick of and significance of water baptism. We see in Hebrews chapter 6 and 1 through 3, it talked about the different baptisms and one of them being water baptism. Three different baptisms that we have. Three different baptism in the Word of God is when we are baptized into, the Christ, into Christ by the Holy Spirit. We come to the family of God and we receive Jesus. Then there's water baptism as an outward expression of what's already happened in your salvation experience. And then there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. These bapt- this baptism gives us power to overcome and power to serve and the power to just overcome life's difficulties. But we're going to focus just for a few scriptures here on water baptism. Water baptism is an ordinance in the Word of God honoring the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Matthew 8, 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, listen, this is a good, good word today. We sang it. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Should I say this? No, I won't. All right, so water baptism is a public testimony that you have been crucified with Christ. You were buried with Christ with him, and you are raised with him to walk now in newness of life. Water baptism is not essential to be saved, but it is essential to marking your life for Jesus. You see that when Jesus died on the cross, two other criminals were went through the same crucifixion, but only one saw that Jesus truly was the, the Messiah. And on the cross, this is Luke 23, and I'll just skip down to verse 42. Then this thief said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. A Christian's last breath on earth becomes their first breath in heaven. And they, he indeed saw Jesus that day in the realm of eternity, heaven. I never forget that I was saved when I was three, but I, sort of like that throughout my life. But when I got in college and I faced some adversity, I chose to go with God rather than go in a wrong direction. And that, you know, a lot of things that could have happened in my life because of different talents that I had, that wasn't the direction that God wanted me to go because he had another plan for me. I submitted to his plan. Baptism, Max Lucado said, is bowing before the Father, letting him do his work. Baptism is a vow of the believer to follow Christ. Just as a wedding ring celebrates the fusion of two hearts, water baptism celebrates the union of sinner with Savior, and baptism separates the tire kickers from the buyers. You know, the Word of God does not condone people living together before they're married. That's like kicking the tires before you own it. You should date them and see the fruit in their life and know pretty quickly whether you need to advance in that, that uh, relationship or not. But somewhere in our walk with God, we need to take a public stand of identifying with Jesus. It like marks you. I'll never forget that. I didn't have a fam fancy baptismal. I had a, a, a dirty pool at the Motel 6. Matthew 10, 32 says in the easy to read version, version, if you stand before others and are willing to say you believe in me, then I will tell my Father in heaven that you belong to me. But if you stand before others and say you do not believe in me, then I will tell my Father in heaven that you do not belong to me. It's important to stand up for your faith. Billy Graham said those who chose to reject Jesus 
during their lifetime on earth will be separated from him for eternity. There is not, there, th this is not God's desire. God's man was his choice. God holds every man accountable for rejecting or accepting Jesus Christ. And finally, Romans 1.16 says, I am not the least bit ashamed about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I won't shy away from it because it is the very power of God to save every person who believes. Amen. We're going to bow our heads right now and just pray. Father, thank you for what Jesus has done in our life. And if we just all bow our heads in prayer, if, if you need to receive Jesus, well, he's the only Savior. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except for him. And, and uh, you've never received him as your Lord and Savior because he died for you. He paid your death penalty because he was innocent. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead on your behalf. But have you received him? If you want to receive the Lord today, and a part of a public testimony is simply raise your hand. If that's you, I want to pray a general prayer over this congregation and say, Pastor Coyne, include me in that prayer. Go ahead and lift up your hand. Or I'm not sure about my salvation. I want to settle that today. Just pray this prayer out loud and say, God, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he lived this innocent life and he died on the cross for my death penalty. He went to hell for me to pay what was owed. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. Jesus, I know you're alive. And right now, I ask you to come into my heart. I receive you as my savior. I repent from my past. Forgive me, God. And I look to you for my future. Jesus, you're now my Savior, and you're now my Lord.